Alright, welcome to Full Court Press, and I'm Liam Griffin. Jason, the first Rockets game without a true big man went pretty well, though the second one, not so well. What are your thoughts on the trade? Well, I think the trade is still somewhat incomplete since we haven't signed a center yet off the buyout market. I think we do need to do that just to have a big guy to give us a good 15 to 20 minutes a game. But I think the acquisition of Robert Covington was an excellent move. Uh, he's a great wing defender, great team defender. Shoots about 35% from three, but I think that'll go up because he's going to get a lot more open shots from playing alongside Russ and James. And so I think it's going to be a good trade because him and Tucker can guard the elite wings in the West like Mitchell, Paul George, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. So I think it's going to help us in the playoffs because Clint Capella last year at least could not play in crunch time, but yeah. we'll see if that changes with Robert Covington and see if it makes a difference. Well, you like me both think it's going. You and I both think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. All right, boys and girls, back with me today is a man who called himself a sports nerd yesterday. I would agree with that, Mr. Jason DeGeorge. On today's episode, we break down a lot of wild trades. We begin today with Super Bowl 54. The Kansas City Chiefs won their first Super Bowl in 50 years, beating the 49ers 31-20. However, San Francisco had a 20-10 lead with about 6 minutes left in the game, so it's not the first time Kyle Shanahan has blown a Super Bowl lead. Jason, in your opinion, is this final result more about the Chiefs coming back or the 49ers blowing it again? I think it's absolutely about the Chiefs coming back. They've proven it three times throughout this postseason. They came back from a 24-0 uh, deficit versus the Texans. Uh, they came back from a 10-point deficit against the Titans and another 10-point deficit against the Niners. But, I mean, it's fair to say that the one against the Texans was a little bit of both. I mean, the Chiefs have a, an outstanding offense, obviously. They have a ton of firepower, so they can come back from on it. Almost any lead or deficit, excuse me, but the Texans have a subpar defense and the Niners have probably the best defense in the NFL. And with the quarterback as dynamic as Patrick Mahomes, they, pro they prove time and time again that it's about them coming back with all the weapons they have around them. So I actually disagree. I think it's more about the 49ers blowing it because, as you mentioned, the Chiefs have done it before. And the reason I'm a little skeptical about saying the Chiefs this time is because in the Tennessee game and in the Houston game, they were in the lead by halftime. So it's not as if they used the entirety of the game or came back at the last minute to pull out a victory. So that being said, it's about the 49ers blowing it. And in largely, it largely has to do with Kyle Shanahan because it is twice now that he has blown a big lead in the Super Bowl. And they were up 10 with six some up minutes left, and rather than be aggressive with the run game, which had been so good all year, Shanahan decides to pass it, trying to get another scoring drive, much like the much like he tried to do in Super Bowl 51 against the Patriots. So if you ask me, it's more about the 49ers blowing it, and I think that if this would happen again for Kyle Shanahan, whether it be in the Super Bowl or in the playoffs, man, the media is going to be on him. Yeah, but he's still a young coach and is going to have many more chances, in my opinion, because that 
Niners team is, is really good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm just saying, if this happens a third time, it's going to be like, but he's going to, He's going to be like a coach version of James Harden in the NFL. Yeah, but do you think you think the Niners will uh, be back in the Super Bowl in years to come? Uh, I think the Niners will be back in the Super Bowl before we're done with college. Yeah, I'd agree because they have so many young pass rushers that can really get after the quarterback. So yeah, that that, that D line is something else. But yeah, that was a uh, quite the game to watch. So now we're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes, the game's MVP. Mahomes was 26 for 42 in the big game with two passing and one rushing touchdown and led his team to another comeback despite two interceptions. Liam, with Tom Brady likely retiring sometime soon, do you consider Mahomes to be the new face of the NFL? Well, I want to say this first. I don't think Mahomes should have been the MVP of that game. I think it should have been Damian Williams, but that's not what we're talking about right here. And as for whether or not Mahomes is the new face of the NFL, so I think it was during the... Tennessee, Kansas City, AFC Championship game that Jim Nance said Brady was the dynasty for the next 20 so years. Are we seeing the next one with him? Hold your horses, people. He made it to one Super Bowl. And we all know about the classic Super Bowl hangover for a team that's not the New England Patriots. I think I've only seen one team avoid such a hangover. So that being said, not yet. Not yet. Because in the AFC, you have three, I would even argue four, young run-pass quarterbacks that are set to dominate the league for years to come. You've got Mahomes, you've got Watson, you've got Lamar Jackson. I would put Josh Allen in that class in a couple of years, too. So that being said, not yet. Uh, I'd say it's, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you on uh, Josh Allen, but I think he's got a lot more to prove before we can put him in that conversation. Oh, yeah, I, I agree completely. Yeah, but he definitely has a ton of talent. Um, but I think it's between Jackson, Watson, and Mahomes. But as of right now, I would put Mahomes as the face of the of the NFL, but I don't think it's clear-cut just because he won the Super Bowl. I do think he has the best arm talent in the NFL by quite a wide margin. Um, and until Lamar Jackson shows up in the playoffs and brings his team to a Super Bowl, I think you're going to have to put Mahomes because he's – Aaron Rodgers on steroids, in my opinion. He can he, run like him. Yeah. All the no-look passes, flat-arm throws. But he does have a lot of weapons around him, but he's proved that he has that clutch gene in him to be able to come back when it when it matters most. So as of right now, I'm putting him as the face of the league. I just want to say, one of the big plays in that Super Bowl was the 42-yard bomb to Hill, and people are giving Mahomes credit for that, but where they should be getting credit to is... Tyreek Hill for somehow finding a wide open space against that very good 49ers defense. If you ask me, that play on a 3rd and 15, it cost him the game because, first of all, how do you not cover that? And B, how do you, or how do you leave him wide open when the throw is, when the throw, when he makes the throw? And B, how do you not run over to him because it's not like he throws the ball at 100 miles per hour. I just find it unfathomable, but that's not a discussion. Like you said, he is, he is the best player in football right now, but if he's the face of the NBA, or excuse me, NFL, hold up the hype for now. Yeah, and rega- I agree with you. Regardless, he is something special. All right, as heartbreaking as it is, the Boston Red Sox have reportedly agreed to trade Mookie Betts and David Price to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Betts was the 2018 American League MVP, 
and Price very well could have been the World Series MVP that year. However, recent reports have indicated that the trade may not go through, but it's still very, very likely. So, Jason, if this trade does go through, do you consider the Dodgers the favorites to win it all? Uh, I think it's that's a tough question. I think it's obviously between the Yankees and Dodgers. I think the margin between the, those two teams is about the same as it is like the Lakers and Clippers in the NBA. It's it's an opinion based question. Both teams are have been in the in good position to win a World Series the last few years, and they're in even better position right now. But I'm gonna go with the Yankees because the Dodgers have lost in the World Series. What, is it two out of the last three Yeah, two years? out of the last three. Yeah, even though... <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, even though you could play the side-stealing, still. Yeah, exactly, but until they prove otherwise, the Yankees have been an outstanding organization for a long time, as much as I hate them, but I think the acquisition of, Eric, of Garrett Cole puts them over the top. They've been right there the last few years, and so they get the best starter in the game, I think. Even if the Mookie trade goes through, I, I think they're still the the favorites, but not by much, because Mookie Betts is obviously an outstanding player. Alright, so, I actually disagree on for these reasons. One, because Mookie Betts is arguably the second best player in baseball behind Mike Trout. Two years ago in the postseason, David Price was unbelievable, and if you ask me, Garrett Cole isn't exactly a proven World Series pitcher yet, even though he had that one good start in D.C. He's not proven, and none of their other pitchers have have had a great postseason resume except for Tanaka. Where and I know you can make the case for Kershaw in LA, but still, Bueller's a stud. Price was a stud. They've got starters that can win in the postseason. And one thing I think we're not really focusing on with the Yankees is the loss of shortstop Didi Gregorius. That's yeah. gonna that is going to hurt them because now now with the loss of him, their only left-handed hitter is Brett Gardner who. Is about to turn 37, I think, and I doubt he'll have as good a year this year as he did last year. So that being said, they're a right-handed heavy lineup with a park that is tailor-made for left-handed hitters. So I think that's going to hurt them in the long run, maybe not in the short run, but in the long run. So that being said, I honestly would consider the Dodgers the favorites right now, in part because they've got steam under them after getting knocked out with a 3-1 lead in the 8th inning of Game 5 of the NLDS to the eventual World Series champions, I just don't see them losing again. I just don't. And to add on, uh, if, if the trade goes through, Price would be a nice replacement to Ryu because they lost him. Oh, yeah, and Rich Hill. Yeah, and Rich Hill. Um, I want to analyze this from the Red Sox point of view. For any Red Sox fans listening, don't, don't give up yet. We've still got Xander. We've still got J.D., We've still got Devers. Verdugo's a great young player. And that prospect, Gratterall, has a 100-mile-per-hour sinker. Excuse me. We've still got Chris Sale. We've still got Brandon Workman. We've still got Ben Intendi. Don't give up faith yet. I know it doesn't look good right now, but don't give up. I'm sorry, Liam. I know you've loved both of them. To the NBA side of trades. In a blockbuster deal, the Golden State the Warriors and D'Angelo Russell and a few other players to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for Andrew Wiggins and a few draft picks. Russell filled in at PG for the injured Steph Curry in Golden State, but is now on the way out, and Wiggins has spent six years in Minnesota. Liam, who won the trade? There is one clear-cut winner of this trade, in my opinion, 
and it is without a doubt the Golden State Warriors. So, during the offseason, I thought this was a terrible move by the Warriors. I never thought they should have picked up D'Angelo Russell, but I guess it ended up working out well for them because I don't think they should pick him up because when Clay comes back, what are they, they going to do with him? And I understand if Curry hadn't gotten hurt, I don't think Russell's numbers would be as good as they are now. I just don't. But now that he's gone, they, they get Clay and Curry back next year. That's the starting lineup of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and potentially James Wiseman, the seven foot center out of Memphis. So that is scary. We could be seeing the next generation of great warrior or the next generation of the Hamptons five. And that is a scary thought because I have loved seeing the Warriors stink this year. I know injuries have played a huge factor in that, but it's nice to have someone new on top, but they could very well be on top again next year. Yeah, um, personally, I think it's a win-win for both teams because uh, I heard that uh, Steve Kerr say that yesterday that it was, like you said, a questionable fit from the beginning with uh, D'Angelo Russell to the Warriors. Yeah, I didn't see how him, Clay, and Steph could all fit together. So getting Wiggins in that deal is, is uh, honestly a, a decent replacement for Kevin Durant. And I think it's also a good move for the Timberwolves, even though they gave up a first and a second as well, because now they have a dynamic scoring duo with D'Lo and Towns, because they have proven over the last five or six years that Towns and Wiggins aren't going anywhere. So, finally, they're, they're clearly building around Carl Anthony Towns, who's one, obviously one of the best centers in the league and still very young, and now have a dynamic backcourt player to pair along with him. So I think that's going to suit them pretty well. I mean, I, they're obviously not a contender, but I think that's a good step in the right direction, because... Wiggins didn't quite pan out like they wanted him to. And neither did Jimmy Butler. And at least we got one blockbuster trade the other day. The Detroit Pistons shipped Andre Drummond off to Cleveland, if you can imagine that, in exchange for a few role players and a pick. Drummond is a free agent to be this summer, and he joins Kevin Love to form a pretty good front court, even though the Cavs are well out of playoff contention. Jason, do you in any way understand what the Cavs are doing? No, honestly, I don't. I don't think they have a good plan. They seem to just be doing random things. Like, Drummond is still fairly young, but I, I think they need more second, I mean, first and second year players. I mean, he's a good player. They should have traded Kevin Love, even though that would have been very hard. They need to just do a complete rebuild and start over. But they, they didn't have to give up a lot for Drummond, so it's not a terrible move, but... It, he is a huge cap hit, and so yeah. on the Pistons side, they they did get rid of a big contract in Drummond, but they did not get a lot in return. I think it was John Henson, Brandon Knight in a second. Yep, that's, that sounds so, good. I mean, what they would consider their franchise player over the last, what, six, seven years, maybe more, that's not a lot in return, even though it is a big contract. So, honestly, I, I can... I can more clearly see the direction Detroit is going rather than Cleveland. Yeah, and I think that it's clear to me that Detroit knows what they're doing and Cleveland doesn't because Andre Drummond is not playing in Cleveland another minute once the Cavs, once game 82s are done. He's not. I think there's no chance he resigns with Cleveland this year. I think that the Detroit Pistons got solid but not great return for him. And I think that 
the Cavs and Pistons should both trade their all-star forwards, Kevin Love and Blake Griffin, this summer. But will they? Probably not. So that being said, I think it's clear to me that Detroit has a plan and Cleveland doesn't. But uh, neither franchise is looking too relevant right now, to be honest. Yeah, I would agree. All right, time to play In Your Shoes, where we'll be placing the figure of shoes that have been an important figure in a revolving topic. We'll start with this. If you are a Milwaukee Bucks fan, after the trade deadline, who do you consider to be your biggest threat in the East? Um, I'd probably go with the Miami Heat uh, because I think Bam Adebayo can match up with the Bucks better than like Daniel Tice could because, yeah. like, you've been, like you've been saying, the Celtics need a big man. But um, I think the Heat are... A really good team. They have a ton of depth. Jimmy Butler's had an outstanding year. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Bam. They traded for Iguodala, who's going to be really good for them come postseason time. They got Crowder as well. And Etwan Moore, am I correct? Or who's the other Solomon guy? Hill, Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill, that's right. He's another 3 and D type of guy. So I think they did another good trade there. They traded Winslow, who didn't even play a ton for them. And that, that was the main piece that they traded away. So I think they won that trade. But I, I just think that they play really good team basketball that can win in the postseason. As much as I would love to say the Celtics are the biggest threat now, and now, the Heat are the biggest threat. Toronto, there's no way they're going to be able to win in the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard. I just find it unfathomable. And, by the way, why can't... They're, they cannot lose right now, and it's kind of making me angry because the Celtics need to catch up to them to get that two seed. And Boston, like you said, or like I've said, we need a big man. We need bench scoring. Who knows if they'll pick someone up in the buyout market, but maybe they don't want to mess with the good chemistry they have going with right now. The biggest stud is the Heat because Iguodala, we know how clutch he is can play off time. Jake Crowder can light it up when he's on, and Solomon Hill is another good reserve to have. That being said, the Heat are the biggest set to the Bucks in the East. Are they going to be able to beat the Bucks? No, probably not, but it would help it helps them a lot. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think anyone's beating the Bucks unless Giannis shoots like he did in the playoffs last year. But if he does shoot like that again, they could be beaten, but I don't see it happening. I feel like he has improved too much with his mid range shot to and struggle his, that and his, th- and his three point shot, I remember that. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. I think he's shooting in the low 30s. And they also picked up Marvin Williams in the buyout market. Oh, yeah, that was a big pickup. It's another shooter that can spread around Giannis. So that's that's a, another blow for the rest of the contenders in the East. Huh. Next, if you're a casual NFL fan, do you plan on watching any XFL games? I'm sorry. Are, is, are these the best players in the world? Because last I checked, the NFL was home to the best players in the world. So, no, I'm not watching a single XFL game this year unless I end up going to one of the games of the Houston Roughnecks. Great name, by the way. I honestly think that they're going to cancel business like the Alliance of American Football did early this year. More on that later, actually. So, that being said, I find it unlikely that the XFL lasts for very long. So I'm not planning on watching any games. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I just think I'd rather watch professional sports. That's what I'm interested in. I'm not going to 
watch, you know, guys that can't make it to the NFL play. I'd rather be doing other things. But yeah, I did hear that the business might not last very long. Even though I did hear that the Houston Roughnecks have a coach that, you know, likes to score a lot of points, so it could be entertaining. But yeah, I'm not really too into the XFL personally. I'll be interested to see how many fans... Uh, I think their first game is today. I'll be interested to see how many fans show up to UH's stadium today. Well, next, if you're Chicago Cubs GM Jed Hoyer, in lieu of the recent Mookie Betts trade, do you trade Chris Bryant? Uh, not unless you get him in a really elite prospect, because he's still one of the best third basemen in the league. So if you don't get a, a really good return, then I would not trade him. That's... I'd say the same thing if there was a question about the Astros trading Correa. I mean, it's a, a young franchise player that you can't risk to, to lose unless you are certain that the prospects you're getting back are, are going to outweigh the loss and help your team in the present as well as the future. All right, so I agree with you. I don't think they're going to trade Chris Bryant because the Cal- I think there's reason for optimism in Chicago this year because – Last year, their bullpen was absolutely horrible. There's no denying that. But they'll have Craig Kimball for the whole year. And this time, he'll have spring training. He was awful after he signed a midseason with them and without a spring training resume. So I think there's no chance that he'll wet the bed that, like he did last year. So I wouldn't trade Chris Bynes because they've still got him, still got Rizzo, still got Baez, still got Schwarber. No, I don't think they have Schwarber anymore. But, but even so... They've got a lot of young talent that is going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come. So, just like I don't think the Red Sox should have traded bets, I don't think the Cubs should trade Bryant. Last one. If you're a Boston Red Sox fan, which you are, Liam, yep. are you happy with the hiring of Ron Renneke as manager? I am, because Renneke was the bench coach for the Red Sox. Yeah, I think he was the bench coach for the Red Sox before he was promoted to manager recently, and I think that it is a great hire because Renneke knows all of our guys. He knows Xander. He knows JD. He knows Sale. He knows how they react to certain things. He knows how they mesh together. So if we had hired someone new, it would create a cold new culture change, but with the hiring of Renneke, I honestly don't see such a change. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to to stay in-house if you can, especially with an experienced guy like him. He knows the, the culture of the Red Sox. You, like you said, there's not going to be a culture change, is exactly what is happening in Houston. But I, I do want to ask you if you if you think he was involved in the, the sign-stealing with the Red Sox, because if he is, then that could, that could end up hurting them. Well, we don't know what exactly happened with the whole Red Sox Stein stealing thing, to be perfectly honest out, with you. It's coming out next week, I think. It's coming out next week? Yeah, that's what I heard. Well, I will offer my opinions on the show in two weeks, because we're off next week. But, yeah. but but when I see you at school next week, I'll tell you directly. Don't worry. Yeah, but if he was involved with Cora... If he, wa- that, if, if he was involved... Then, then I don't think it's a good hire. Then that's, that's, that's remained to be seen. Though. If he was involved, then I think he's gone. I don't think he manages a game for the Red Sox. Yeah, I'd agree. Okay, time for the history lesson, boys and girls. 57 years ago today, February 8th, the American Football League's Dallas Texans moved to Kansas City and became the Chiefs. As you saw last week, the Chiefs won their second Super Bowl in franchise history, their first coming 50 years ago. 
One year ago, Monday, February 10th, the train wreck that was the Alliance of American Football began. Less than two months later, the the AAF shut down operations, which has led people to wonder if the XFL will have a similar fate. And I said they will. 38 years ago, Wednesday, February 12th, a 20-year-old Wayne Gretzky scored his 153rd point of the season, which at the time broke an NHL record. That year, hockey's GOAT had 212 points, the second most in NHL history. He also owns number one, number three, and number four, and they are the only four totals over 200. 25 years ago, Friday, February 14th, my Houston Rockets acquired the Clyde Drexler from the Portland Trail Blazers. The trade provided a big, provided a big boost for the Rockets as they won their second consecutive NBA title that year. But unfortunately, they haven't won since. Boy, oh. do we need another. <laughs> Okay, the show's almost over, so it's time for who you got. We'll start with this. At 5 o'clock tonight, the ancient rivalry between Duke and North Carolina resumes. Cole Anthony is back for the Tar Heels, but they are 10-12 and 12 and desperately need a win tonight. Jason, I know you're not the biggest college basketball fan, but who you got? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Duke. I mean, obviously, the Tar Heels are 10-12, and 12, which is all you need to know. They've had an extremely disappointing season. Even though they've gotten Cole Anthony back, their star guard, they've been out of rhythm ever since. And Duke, the number seventeen, the number seven ranked team in the country, so I think they should have a fairly easy one tonight. Okay, so I've also got Duke, but I've one of I've got Duke. But one other thing I want to bring up here before we move on: this could be the first time in a long time that UNC doesn't make the tournament. One of the blue bloods. Nope, not making it this year. Next, tonight on ABC's NBA Primetime, the Los Angeles Lakers visit the New Look Warriors. Liam, any chance of an upset? Uh, no. The Lakers are going to crush the Warriors. I think that I think it's Andrew Wiggins' first game of the team. I don't think he's going to have a particularly great performance because he'll be guarded by LeBron James. I think that Anthony Davis is going to have a bigger game than LeBron tonight. So, yeah, I've got the Lakers. Yeah, I got the Lakers as well. They just lost to the small ball Rockets. They're not going to want to lose another game, especially against probably the worst team in the NBA. So I don't see I see LeBron and AD taking care of business tonight and easily beating the Warriors. All right, last one. Let's be real. There's no way we weren't going to talk about this. On Tuesday night at 8.30, Jason, my Boston Celtics are in town to face your Houston Rockets. We all know who I got. We all know who you got. So, any bold predictions for the game? Uh, well, obviously, I'm going to take the Rockets. But I think we're going to win by about 10 points. Um, I think the Celtics' lack of size up front. I mean, obviously, we have, we're the smallest team in the NBA. But compared to the other teams we've been playing, the Celtics are not particularly big with Tice as the center. Um, but... So I think we're going to be able to stretch the floor and not get severely out-rebounded or dominated in the paint, which is going to be a big advantage to us because we can, assuming we get stops and get the rebound, we're pretty much impossible to stop in transition with Westbrook, Harden, and Covington and House running the wings. And hopefully a big thing to watch is going to be Eric Gordon's injury. He missed most of the game last night, and if he's out, that will give the Celtics a much better chance, so we're going to have to wait and see what happens with him. So you've mentioned Eric Gordon's injury, which, by the way, I'm very sorry about. 
Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown didn't play last night for the Celtics, and if we don't have those two guys on Tuesday night, I think there's no chance we win. We have a game against OKC tomorrow night. It'd be nice to have them back for that, but I think there is no no chance that we beat you guys if we don't have those two wings. Do I think I think we will? But if we if we're fully healthy, we're arguably one of the toughest teams to contend with in the NBA. But if we're not healthy, we are very very vulnerable. So if we're healthy, we'll win. We're, we will we will win. But if we're not healthy, I think the Rockets are going to beat us. Yeah, and similarly to what you said about um, Brown and Hayward, without them, y'all are vulnerable. With, without Gordon, that we're not title contenders at all. He's that X factor for us, you know, has the ability to drop 30 any night off the bench. He's the ability to drop 50 any night off the bench, Obviously apparently. Obviously, has that ability, but when Harden and Russ are playing, he's a little bit more limited. So, But with him, I, th- I think we can beat anyone in the NBA without him. I think we're a first-round exit type of team. So we're going to have to... Hopefully he is available for that game because we, we really need him. Yeah. And with that, that's all we have today. I'm Jason DeGeorge. I'm Lynn Griffin. I'd like to thank Jason for being my guest today, and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or contact me directly. Thanks again for tuning in. We are off next week, as I mentioned earlier, so we will see you in two weeks.